All right, I told Jody, give me some long walk-up music today. They seem like a rowdy bunch, uh, which seems appropriate for Palm Sunday. But welcome to Chapel in the Pines. If we haven't met, uh, my name's Pastor John Dietrich. Uh, very excited to have you here. Uh, if you were new uh, to the church here, first couple times here, we have welcome uh, bags for you uh, on the back information booth that uh, have a little gift in there for you, have some information about the church, some uh, about our larger community, and we'd love for you to have that. So again, uh, they're back on the, the table back there. Uh, right next to them, I don't always announce it, but there's Bibles back there that if you don't have one at home, that's maybe your own, or, or maybe you have one, but it's like, I don't know, great grandmas, and it's very difficult to read, and it's a difficult translation. Uh, you're very welcome to have them. Those are for you. So please uh, be looking for that, or I've actually heard from someone uh, at the church that was uh, looking at the Bibles there, and, and God kind of put on their heart that uh, this close friend of theirs, you know, really could use it. So please, uh, if you have someone in your life that could use one of those, uh, please take it. In the seat back pockets in front of you uh, is our Connect card and our prayer card. It's two sides of the same card. Uh, if we could be praying for you, we would love to do that, so please fill that out. Uh, love to be praying for you in any way. You can mark on there if you want that just between you and I. Uh, we can keep that private, or if you want that to go out to our prayer team and have many people praying, uh, we would love to, to do that for you. Uh, those are also, uh, for those of you online right now, so none of you in the room, ignore this part. Uh, those of you online, they're also on the website. You can click on there uh, and do that. And if you want to do Bible reading plans and that kind of stuff, they're all online. All right. Now you all can pay attention. Again, okay, I got, I got them back. Um, after the singing part of worship, we'll have children's church, so elementary school age kids are welcome to join for that. We'll invite you uh, to go down, and they'll come back up at the end of the service uh, after their own time of discipleship, so you won't have to go hunting around trying to find where your kid went. Uh, they'll come right back to you. Uh, this Friday, we have a special service. We have a Good Friday uh, service here at church, 6 p.m., uh, really meaningful, really significant. If you, if you skip it, uh, this whole week is kind of odd because what you end up doing is you go from Palm Sunday today and then you go to Easter Sunday next Sunday and you miss all of in between, right? So you miss the cross, you miss all these things. So uh, if you're at all able to come, please uh, come to that service. We'll also have it online if you need to join uh, that way, but it really helps for kind of this journey uh, to Easter uh, to be able to partake in that. So again, that's 6 p.m. Uh, this Friday. All right, a couple more things. This is announcement number five. Are you ready? All right, announcement number five. Uh, Easter, we decorate this whole stage with Easter lilies. Um, we have purchased 20 of them because you buy them a long time ago. I think we currently have six that people have kind of sponsored and said, I want to uh, have this one be in honor of a, a family member or in memory of someone. So there's a bunch to choose from still. And I know you're all really excited about it. Um, there's envelopes. Yeah, Jeannie's like cheering in the back. There's envelopes in the foyer if you want to uh, buy one of those, again, in, in honor or in memory of someone. And then after the service, you're welcome to take it home and um, it is just a beautiful way to, to celebrate together. So please uh, be looking for that. This is kind of your last chance. Um, be looking for that. Um, 
a new thing. So uh, many of you, I know, on your, your cell phones have what's called the Bible app or the version. Bible app is the one that the, the symbol just says, like, Holy Bible on it. Uh, if you have a Bible on your phone, it's probably the one that you have. Um, there is a new feature on there that I think can be really nice. It's, it's new just this year. Um, and that's that churches can go on there and say who they are. And then people like, like ourselves can go and they can like claim their church. So Chapel in the Pines is on there. All you do is you go to the search feature. You type in Chapel in the Pines. Um, you say, yes, this is my church. And then what we can do is, uh, right now if you did it, the discussion questions for the sermon are on there. Uh, for today, when we do Bible reading plans, they can be right on there, and there can be links to the verse, and it can be very simple. Uh, so really good way for churches to engage uh, together in the Bible uh, and to do that together. So again, you kind of have to tell the app that this is your church, uh, and we can see if you did. So, so I'm hope. I mean, we're not like keeping track of who did, but I'm hoping the number goes up, right? Uh, right now, there's five of us that claim Chapel in the Pines, uh, and we're all on staff. No, <laughs> uh, or, or married to them. Uh, but yeah, so please be looking for that. Again, you just type in Chapel in the Pines. It should come up with our church. You say, yes, this is my church, and then we're able to connect together uh, on there. We'll talk about that more in weeks to come, but I think that will be really uh, a good way, again, to just engage in scripture reading together, engage in uh, interacting. You can even read something and then uh, post a question. I don't really understand that, and we're able to kind of as a whole church, see that and, and respond to each other. It's really pretty neat. Uh, so again, please be looking for that. Last thing and very uh, exciting thing is we're going to recognize our new members uh, today. So we as a church did a new members class, uh, what was it, January, February. Uh, how that works is our new members, uh, they do the class, they then meet with me, I hear their testimonies, and, and then I go before the church leadership team and say all these people, um, and recommend them to be members, and we all voted, and we voted yes. So you are all in, uh, but that would be kind of sad if that's the end of the journey. So we want to recognize that uh, in church. So we have 12 new members, uh, which is really great. Now, we have under 100 members total, so 12, 12 is a big, uh, exciting amount. I'm going to invite the ones that are here uh, today, if you would please come forward. And then I'm going to read off all the names, uh, all 12, but I know a lot of them, or not a lot. Some couldn't make it today. So Roger Lynn, um, Karen Weller, Bill and Chopin Walsh, Robert and Carol Mueller, Lester and Kathy Schultz, Phil and Sharon Wood and Greg and Ginny Robertson are all our new members. Uh, so I'm going to pass this microphone down, and you can tell us who you are. And maybe tell us uh, how long you've been coming to church here. And if you're feeling super brave, uh, you could also add maybe like a highlight of your time here or a ministry you've been involved with. But, uh, yeah. You want me to just That's fine. We're a couple. We're a couple, <laughs> so I'll introduce us both. Um, I'm Bill Walsh and my wife, Chilpon Walsh. Um, we, uh, I grew up in California. Um, but not from this area, but my mom is from this area. And many of you know we are missionaries overseas in Kyrgyzstan. And so we've been back here um, maybe over the past 10 years, several times for a year. So, um, yeah, 
we're, we've been here 10 years, but not really, like kind of <laughs> two years maybe over the past 10 years. Um, our kids went to Hazel Fisher for a year and then to Avery Middle School for a year, and now our second son is going to Bret Hart. Um, but when we're back, we just love this community. We love the people. We love getting involved in the ministry here. We've been involved. I've been involved in Dewooders, and um, of course, you've seen me playing bass guitar up there with the worship team this year. That's been great. Been involved in the Bible studies. My wife also has been praying um, with uh, the moms in prayer um, here, as well as women's Bible studies. So we're just really happy to be a part of this community and uh, happy that you guys accept us into this community. So thank you. How do I time that out? Um, <laughs> uh, my name's Lester Schultz, and it's my wife, Kathy. Um, we've actually been coming up to this area for a snow trip, a summer trip, oh, goodness, th 30 years or so. And um, we've, when we go to places on our, our travels, uh, we like to, and have always been blessed, find a church in the town wherever we're at. And that has worked out good. But um, coming up here for the, you know, once or twice a year for the last 30 years, we decided to move out of the Bay Area. I'm sure we're the only people that have done that. <laughs> but um, <laughs> thoroughly enjoying it up here. Just can breathe up here. Um, I'm involved in Dewooders a little bit. Not as much as I'd like to be, but usually on every Monday. Um, every once in a while on Wednesdays. But... Um, I've gotten to know some guys from the church. Guys not from the church are out there. And it's, it's so a way to get to know people, and, and I enjoy it. Hi, I'm Carol Mueller. Uh, similar story to what Lester was just talking about. We've come up here uh, during the summer and winter trips. And... Um, so we've been up here for only about a year and a half, but uh, familiar with the area. Uh, one thing I really appreciate about this church is that it just reminded me of the church that I grew up in and went to for 62, three years. So um, the good words said from the pulpit and uh, the, the music and the really, you guys are a really friendly bunch. So thanks for welcoming us here. I'm uh, Robert Mueller. I'm related to her, uh, just by marriage, though. Um, she's, she and Lester are also cousins, so I don't know if that was mentioned. But, uh, yeah, we came up from San Jose. Um, I promised people up here that I would not bring the San Jose attitude with me. I, you know, take on the mountain attitude. And I really enjoy Dewitters. Uh, it's a great ministry that really kind of, like, locked me into this church was the fact that you're doing something for people in need. So um, other than that, just uh, like she said, it, it, you, you come in here and you're loved automatically. You know, people are hugging you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Jeannie's back there, yeah. Uh, yeah, we just really love it here. My name's Corinne Weller. We moved to Arnold in August and started attending the chapel in September, I believe the beginning of September. And I absolutely love this church and um, the people that we've met. 
just were so welcoming to us, and we right away just loved every person here, and um, we went to, um, we joined the married people group, the life group, and it's been a great group, and we do that every other Monday, and then when I went to the Christmas tea that they had in December, um, I was asked, Sherry asked me about if I would be interested in joining the prayer team, and at first I was nervous because I thought, wow, you already have so many prayers that you have to pray, and I'm thinking, how am I going to pray for so many more people, but <laughs> it's been such a blessing to see the prayers and to pray them every day, and um, I was trying to figure out how to keep up with all of them because there's just so many, but then along with the prayers each week, there's so many prayers that have been answered, and it's just incredible to see that and to feel it and I've never felt more alive than in this church and I just feel God's presence when we leave here I just feel so full of God and of just joy and I don't think I've ever been so happy and so I'm just so grateful for the people here and for the church here and I'm looking forward to what fellowship we can have and we already have so much but so much more I know is available and also finding a ministry or creating a ministry for us and I just keep praying for that and just thank you for all the welcoming and all the sweet texts and emails and just everything so and I love Pastor John's sermons like they're just um, I didn't grow up in a church and the first church that I was introduced to I felt like the pastor was talking to me each week and I was so bad and I had to get better and I kept leaving there feeling like how am I ever going to be worthy of God and Pastor John makes me feel like I'm worthy and his sermons are always like just great things that we're learning and I did the Advent reading and I'm doing the Lent reading and I just love that and learning more about it because I haven't been really reading over the, I mean, it's just been since I was 20 that um, I came to know God and I was baptized and saved. But um, it's just incredible to now be actually in the Word. We started reading the Bible um, January 1st, and we're now on Samuel 2, I think. And I just think, like, why didn't I, like, why aren't people reading this? Like, it's <laughs> such an adventure, right? And it's like, just incredible stories and even though some of it's hard to understand and I have to keep rereading it and, re and then I'll ask my husband okay what did that mean and he seems to always know the answer which is great <laughs> <laughs> but anyways thank you well all my answers they come from the reference bible oh, okay. so. <laughs> Well, it's, a, it's hard to follow this group, but uh, my name's Roger Lynn, and I'm married to this beautiful lady right here. And um, yeah, we've been here for seven months. And uh, initially when we moved to, we were both retired, we moved to the area. Um, we had plans to attend several churches and check out the churches in the area. And I did know of, of chapel. We came here first and um, after the first Sunday here, I knew right away this is where I wanted to be. And um, the people were, all of you, I mean, were just so welcoming. And um, I just felt like, you know, there was, uh, you know, God was here and this was the place for, for us to be. So 
it's, it's, a, it's a great privilege to be here and be part of this community and, uh, and be, a, be a member. Thank you. Thank you all. It is really great to just hear a little more from you. I'm, I'm sure you all appreciated hearing a little more. And uh, I now will ask you to turn and face me. This part is less scary. Uh, unless I'm scary to you. Uh, and I'm going to read some things, and then if you'd respond, I do, um, or we do, or we, we will, whatever you want to say. You're facing me. Uh, we thank God for you. Uh, through our Lord Jesus Christ, he has made you part of his universal church and has led you to unite with this congregation. I now call you to affirm your faith in the presence of God and your brothers and sisters. You confess Jesus Christ as your Savior and promise to follow him as Lord. You, make, you have made public confession of your faith. Do you accept the Holy Scriptures, the Old and New Testament, as the Word of God and the only perfect rule for faith, doctrine, and conduct? Do you intend to live among God's faithful people, to hear God's Word and to share in the Lord's Supper, to proclaim the good news of God and Christ through word and deed and to strive for justice and peace in all the earth? You promise to support the ministries of this church, partnering with us as your companions in faith. Members of this congregation, now you all have a question. Uh, members of this congregation, do you receive these believers into your fellowship and care and desire to walk alongside them in this mutual journey of faith? If so, answer, we do. Amen. Romans 15, 5 through 7. Says, may the God of steadfastness and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another in accordance with Christ Jesus, so that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome one another, therefore, just as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Let us welcome them into this church. All right, let's pray, and then uh, you, you can head back. I'll pray for you, uh, and then we'll greet one another. But uh, we thank you, uh, God. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for calling your people from death into life and for gathering us together as your church. Uh, we thank you for these, our friends, who have, you have made our brothers and sisters through faith in Jesus Christ. Fill us anew with the energy of your grace that together we may as your people in this congregation and in this community uh, join together uh, as one body, uh, worshiping you and lifting your name high. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now I invite you to stand as you're able and why don't we greet one another.
Good morning. Good morning. Thank you. <laughs> it's awesome. Good morning. I'm going to have you take a seat this morning. I know that's so not normal. Yeah, go ahead and have a seat. I'd like to start off with um, some scripture this morning. It comes from Matthew 21, 1 through 11. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did just as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth, in Galilee. We have a special little video this morning. In a small corner of the city, a parade began. No internet, no announcements, no tweets. Word of mouth carried the news. And the parade had no floats, no balloons, no bands, just the voices of the people singing one word. Hosanna. The word has no actual meaning. It'd be like trying to define the word hooray. But still, they knew what it meant. Hosanna. The king has arrived. Jesus had been working quietly behind the scenes, urging people to not tell of what they saw. How can you keep a secret like that? They were ready for him. They had been praying for his arrival for generations. The Messiah had come. Hosanna. They waved branches. They threw their coats on the road. It was all they could do. They gave him a breeze and they sang him a song. Hosanna. It was all they had. They would die for him. But what they didn't understand is that it was going to happen the other way around. The Pharisees were watching, waiting, planning. He was too popular. The crowds would follow him anywhere. But even if you silence the crowd, you can't silence creation. Even if you silence the crowd, the rocks would sing, the trees would take up chorus, and the earth itself would sing, Hosanna. Hosanna, the king has arrived. 
Hosanna, the king has arrived. I hope that each one of you received one of these um, palm fronds this morning because as we start our worship time together, we are going to sing just that, Hosanna. Why don't you go ahead and stand?
are dismissed to go down. Enjoy.
Good morning. I'll be reading from Matthew 26, verses 36 through 46. That's an easy one to remember. 26, 36, 46. Matthew. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you'll not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it's not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let's go. Here comes my betrayer, the word of God. Lord God, we thank you for this worship this morning, and now we pray that you would uh, open us up to receive what you have for us today. Would you open our ears to hear you and our hearts to receive you in Jesus' name. Amen. Today's Palm Sunday, uh, and as the people gathered outside of Jerusalem, Jesus is, is entering in, and the disciples are with him and other followers, and, and a large crowd has gathered, and they welcome him as king. Um, and, and we've been singing about it, and the video was about it, and, and everything is about it, but there's some details that I think are so um, exciting to see and actually shine uh, a lot of light. So I want to share a little bit of those, and then I'm going to get into uh, what Brett just read for us earlier in the Garden of Gethsemane. So the first one is uh, people lay down these palm branches, right, as Jesus is coming. And uh, they lay down their, their coats or their outer robes, and they lay it on the street and, and have him enter on that. And they're welcoming him as king. Uh, into, into the city. Now, keep in mind the historical setting. So this is uh, a city that is under the control of the Roman Empire, right? And the Roman Empire is, is strong and is powerful and does not like new kings coming into cities, right? That, that is not in their political agenda, uh, to have new kings enter. And, and they're in the, the festival uh, time, and, and some people think that the population of Jerusalem maybe grows about tenfold uh, when these festivals are happening. So uh, from a Roman mindset, what do you do if somebody wants to rebel against you? Well, first thing, they might have a leader. And the second thing is they probably get an army, right? So the city has already grown tenfold. So, so their tension is high. 
right? And now here comes this king riding on a donkey, and the people worship him, and they lay palm branches down, and, and to us, we wave them, and we don't think much of it, but these palm branches are actually the, the symbol of national identity for their people at the time. If you look at coins from this time, what's printed on the coins uh, for people from Israel is a palm branch. That is the symbol of who they are. They don't, they don't make pictures of God. They don't uh, show who their God is in, in, a, in a drawing or a form like that. So, so palm branches become how they show who they are. So, so this is not just simply they pulled some stuff off the trees and they threw it down. They, they're waving the very symbol of who they are as a nation in the face of this empire. You see the tension? Right? That would not have been lost on anyone in the moment. Uh, They're welcoming him in with with these symbols, and and they're saying something like, we want you as king over us. We're not welcoming in a prophet or welcoming in a healer. We want a new king, and, and we want you to throw off this Roman occupation, and we want you to start a new, powerful Jewish nation state with its center in Jerusalem and its center in the temple, and we are going to follow you, and and if you call us to arms, we'll do it. We'll do anything to be with you, Jesus. And they welcomed him as king. And then by the time we get to Friday, many people in the same crowd will cry out, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him, partially because he didn't live up to this expectation. They didn't want the Jesus that they ended up getting. They wanted the one that existed in their own head. They wanted the Jesus that they thought uh, was going to come, and he was going to be powerful, and he was going to be mighty, and he was going to show his strength, and he, and he was going to uh, lift the people up and say, take up arms and let's throw off these Romans. They welcomed that Jesus in as king. But the Jesus that they ended up getting, they actually yelled for him to be crucified on the cross. Many of the same people... and. And as we enter into this uh, sermon, we're, we're in the, the later part of a sermon series I'm calling The Jesus Way. So the big idea here is, is that Christians, people that, that follow to, to, or claim to follow Christ, often uh, kind of think that, that what we need to do is think the right things. That's a very American way of thinking of Christianity. We have the right thoughts, we have the right theology, and, and therefore now I'm a Christian. And, and over and over again in the Bible, Jesus actually calls people not just to think the right thing, that's the first step, but he calls them to follow him, to do what he does, to live uh, a new way in the world around them, to live life, what I'm calling the Jesus way, uh, in a world around them. And it's going to look different than what they expect. So our our reading today that Brett read is the Garden of Gethsemane. It's often this overlooked passage, and the the reason is simple. We enter into this time of year. uh, We really only have a few times of gathering. We have Palm Sunday. uh, We do Good Friday. We do Easter. What you talk about on Easter from up here is pretty sad, right? I mean, thank the good Lord. Uh, But I'm going to talk about the empty tomb next week and the resurrection. Makes sense. Uh, Good Friday, pretty set on what we're going to talk about. It's about the cross. It's about the the journey there. Um, But there's so much that happens in this week. Uh, I was just kind of off the top of my head, just listing them through, and I came up with like 14 easy 
sermons that could be done. And I'm going to do them all right now. And then we'll, we'll break for dinner. Uh, and then we'll continue with, with 13 and 14. <laughs> no, but as, as you look at just this story, it's very simple. I mean, Jesus enters Jerusalem. That's, that's very clear. He goes to the temple. He teaches at the temple. Um, he then debates religious leaders from his day. He has debates with the Pharisees. Again, these all could be their own thing. He does his last supper with his disciples and, and tells them to continue doing that. We call it the Lord's Supper and communion. Uh, Jesus is then betrayed by Judas, one of his closest followers. Uh, Jesus prays in the midst of the garden. He is arrested. He has his trial before Herod and before Pilate. His disciples scatter. He's crucified. And then we have accounts of his burial and, and how Joseph of Arimathea gets, uh, gets a tomb uh, that, that he brings Jesus to. And then we have the disciples hiding for their lives, terrified. We have Mary and some of the other women that, that do preparation for Jesus' body that, that come, and, and when they get there, they discover that the tomb is empty. Right? Each one of these could be their own sermon series, really. And there's so much that happens in this week. Um, so... So for this one, I'm going to kind of take that big picture and we're going to zoom in uh, here in the Garden of Gethsemane and I think we can gain uh, a lot of insights here. So again, we're in Matthew 26, starting in verse uh, 36. And just a little bit of background, uh, the the disciples have already gathered for a Passover meal. Uh, Jesus gave them instructions on how they are to do communion together and and continue that meal uh, going forward. And during that meal, Jesus speaks up, and he says, Truly I tell you that one of you will betray me. And of course, Judas is right there among the others. This is Matthew 26, 21. And after the meal, we're told that they sang a song together, and then they went to the Mount of Olives. So the Mount of Olives is this nearby hill that's outside of Jerusalem, uh, it's this nearby hill, and, it, and it's the whole hilltop, and um, it has olive trees there, um, appropriately named, uh, Mount of Olives. And it has a certain part uh, in there that is called the Garden of Gethsemane. And, and what that just simply means is it's, it's related to the Hebrew word for an olive press. So what would you put in the middle of a garden of olive trees is something to make olive oil, right? So... So this is where Jesus goes with his disciples and they gather. We're not sure it could either be a cave. They often use caves for for these kind of things back then. Or it could just be a series of buildings, series of structures that they have there. But but all that to say Jesus and his disciples have left Jerusalem. They've gone uh, to this more remote place. And Jesus knows what's about to happen. And, And starting here, Matthew 26, 36. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here a while while I go over there and pray. And he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch over me. 
So Jesus is in the garden. He's here with all of his disciples except Judas who has gone off to betray him. And he calls three of them closer to himself, Peter, James, and John. And these are Jesus' closest companions. We read that all the way through the Gospels account, that he has the 12 disciples, but then he has a, a more of an inner core uh, among these, uh, these three that are, that are even closer to him. And he pulls them closer to him. He says, stay with me during this time. And, and we're told that he's sorrowful and that he's troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and watch with me. See, Jesus knew what was before him. None of this this following 24 hours or so was going to be a surprise to him. And, And he was feeling the weight of it. He knew the trial that was about to happen. He knew he knew that at that moment all of his closest companions would abandon him. That none of them would be there with him. None of them would stand alongside him. He knew of the beating that he would take. He knew of the cross. That was before him. And it wasn't just this uh, idea of what was to come. It was, it was the reality of, of all that he would endure that, that brought him to sorrow. He knew that the moment would come later on where he would cry out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So he did what probably any of us would do. He called his closest companions near to him and said, just stay with me. Stay with me in this moment. Be, be with me. Keep watch with me. And then he went on in verse 39. We're told, going a little further away, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, If it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. His companions are there, and he reaches out to God, and he prays, and and he prays as he's fallen on his face, troubled and sorrowful. My God, if it is possible, take this cup from me. But he doesn't stop there. And what he says next is the key to this entire passage. He says, but not my will, but your will be done. The reason this is so important is because the rest of the Bible leading up to this, and and there's been a lot of it, right? (laughs) The rest of the Bible, if you start in the beginning, the rest of the Bible leading up to this, what you see is people over and over and over again seeking wisdom for themselves. Not submitting to God, not saying uh, this simple uh, sentence of not my will but your will be done, but people trying to be gods of their own lives. People trying to control everything around them. And, And over and over and over again, people make the same choice and they fall into the same trap. There's actually a term for this in, uh, in biblical studies. People that study the Bible, there's, there's a term called design patterns. I find these super fascinating. Uh, if you want to know more, and I preached about this in, actually, I think it was November, 
Uh, I did a whole sermon on design patterns, but uh, I just think they're so cool. All right, so here's, here's how it works as far as biblical authors. The human authors, they're working through the Holy Spirit, and they have ways that they're, that they're writing and they're connecting different things together. And now they're not like us. They don't have like footnotes. I mean, my Bible has footnotes, but those aren't original, right? So they don't have footnotes that say, hey, by the way, we're going to reference the Garden of Eden right now. They, they don't have uh, little notes that, uh, that glow blue with little hyperlinks. And then you're like, oh, let me click on that. And, th- and then it says, by the way, Jesus is doing this. Right? Look at all these other passages. Right? That would be very convenient. Some high-tech Bibles do now. Uh, but, but the biblical authors, it's not that they ignore that. They actually had their own way of doing it. And, and what's really neat is uh, we actually kind of do the same thing. We just don't really think about it. So in modern storytelling, we do a lot of the same stuff. So if I were to say to you, may the force be with you, I said more, right, than, than those simple words, right? That combination of words, short phrase, but I referenced a whole genre that with me calling this the Jesus way and, I don't know, Mandalorian stuff, Clint's wanted me to mention the whole time. Uh, <laughs> this is the way, you know, all of this stuff, right? Uh, but just by saying that simple phrase, may the force be with you, there's this whole flood. I, I connected with your collective knowledge from culture, right? It's a Star Wars reference in case some of you didn't get it. Uh, but most of you did, right? And it's just how our minds work. So, so that's kind of what the biblical authors actually do. They use certain words in a certain series, and it's referencing all these older things. Uh, we, we really actually do it quite a bit. The other day, uh, maybe you noticed we woke up and it was snowing again. Um, I've kind of had enough of it. Uh, I will admit, I prayed for it. I've stopped praying for it. I don't know who continues praying for it. Um, but I looked out the window, and I, and I said to Susan, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Right? And, and in that short phrase, we both rolled our eyes, and then we moved on with the day because we were kind of ready for it not to look like Christmas. Uh, but in that short phrase, it, it's tapping into this collective memory, right? There's all of this, this stuff of what Christmas looks like, how it is. I'm referencing this song. I'm referencing this whole uh, season. And just by using that short set of phrases, so... Uh, the reason I'm telling you all this is this, this continues in the Bible, and there's this whole theme of temptation that continues all the way through, and it comes to this moment in Matthew. So Adam and Eve are in the garden, and they're tempted by the fruit, uh, and they're told that it's the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. And what we read is that they see the fruit, these are the key words, they see the fruit, they desire the fruit, and then they take it. They see it, they desire it, and they take it, and then everything falls apart. And then there's these, these radical consequences that come, and, and it affects generations to come, and it happens over and over again. So here's the, here's the design pattern. Here's the words. See, desire, and take. They're not in English. But in Hebrew, you look at these words, see, desire, and take, and they keep coming up over and over because they're referencing back 
to Adam and Eve. And they're referencing back to everything that happens in the meantime. So Abraham and Sarah, uh, a few chapters later, Abraham and Sarah promised a child by God. And they don't trust God. They're impatient with God. They don't think God is going to provide. And we're told that they see Hagar. They see Hagar, Sarah's Egyptian slave. And they take her. And then we're told that they do what is good in their own eyes. And they terribly abuse her. Resulting in the birth of Ishmael. And the consequences continue for generations afterwards. Aaron on Mount Sinai. Moses has gone up to receive the Ten Commandments and the people are getting impatient below. We're told that Aaron sees the gold of the Israelites, that he takes it and that he makes a golden calf. And he does what is right in his own eyes. Later on, the people are are entering the promised land, and and one of them is Achan. And Achan sees the gold of the Canaanites. They're told not to take any of the gold. He sees the gold of the Canaanites. Uh, It's direct. It says he desires it, and then he takes it. Again, consequences for generations to come. The people are now in the land. It fast-forwards a number of years. They want a king of their own, and the people as a whole see Saul... This this strong, tall man, powerful man. They see him. They desire him. And then we're told they take him to be their king. And his reign leads to destruction. It keeps going. David sees Bathsheba. He desires her and he takes her. And his family starts falling apart at the seams. You see what I'm pointing at? You see how, how they're doing this? There, there's this continued uh, flow in the, in the way that they tell these stories, that there's this continued flow. This is not, uh, it's not random stuff. Right? This, is, this is supposed to be drawing all these stories together. Now we have them all connected in our heads, and it's leading somewhere. It's leading us to say, there's got to be someone that breaks this cycle. Why, why do humans keep doing this? And it leans us uh, towards one that, that we hope for in the future, and it actually brings us here into the Garden of Gethsemane. So I'm going to read this whole passage for you, but I want you to keep all this in mind as we come into this. Starting in verse 36, then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here a while while I go over there and pray. And he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell on his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not my, yet not my will, but as you will. Then he returned 
and found his disciples asleep. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away from me unless I drink it, may your will be done. And when he came back, he found them sleeping once again because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed a third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to his disciples and said to them, Are you still asleep and resting? Look, the hour has come and the Son of Man, for the Son of Man to be delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise and let us go. Here comes my betrayer. You see, Jesus saw what was about to happen. He saw what was ahead of him. And he was faced with a great temptation to avoid dying on the cross, to to avoid this entire thing. And yet, we finally receive one. We finally get to one in all of Scripture that actually lives out and prays what we've been hoping for this whole time. Not my desire, but your desire be done. You see, it's the same pattern, but now it's flipped on its head. It's left us in anticipation of one that will come and, and will not seek their own will. They will not seek to define good and evil for themselves, but, but will flip this entire thing and be one that is finally faithful. One that is finally willing to submit to God, to, to let God define what is good and evil, to walk with him. To finally resist the temptation when all else have failed. And all of this biblical account, this all comes flooding back into our memories. All of these times where people have, have seen and they've desired and they've, they've taken. It's actually the same translation. Most, I'm reading the NIV here. And it says, not my will, but your will. was the same word to translate, not my desire, but your desire. Again, that clear reference back. What's actually incredible as we look at this passage is it doesn't actually just end here. It continues on. And it continues on even to, into our own lives. How many of us um, also try to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The Bible has this way of, of kind of lulling us to sleep, and I think it's just brilliant. It lulls us to sleep because we keep reading these accounts and we think, these people are foolish. What are they doing? Why do they live life this way? Don't they know that God has been faithful to them in the past? And now they're, now they're living life like it doesn't even exist? And then as soon as we get there, I always like to say, as soon as we get to that mindset, it's like the Bible turns into a mirror. And then we're like, oh, I see. <laughs> I see how foolish they are. 
I see what it's like to, to follow God with your whole heart one moment and then, and then the next moment to, to question. The next moment to lean on your own understanding. The, mes- the next moment to reach out for that, that fruit on that tree and, and start to know uh, that you know what good is and you know what evil is. As soon as, as, soon as we start to, to assume that they're foolish and that we're wise, this mirror turns on, right? And we realize, oh, we're the same. That's a problem, right? That's, that's a problem because, because how do we get out of this cycle? How do we stop leaning on our own wisdom? It's so easy. We just decide what's right and wrong, right? Good thing we're all the judges of the world. Uh, we just step back. We look at everyone around us. We decide what is right and what is wrong and, and what is morally upright. And, and then what's worse is we start judging everyone else around us based on what we've decided is right and wrong. Now, the only silver lining is you're not unique in that. That's, that's the human story. Again, we start at the beginning of the Bible. It's been the human story the entire time. Everyone else has struggled with this. That's the point. Everyone else has struggled with this this entire time. And even as we read this story, uh, we get there, and where are the disciples? They're asleep. They're asleep the whole time. Jesus' closest followers are sleeping while he saves them. They're sleeping while, while he's the one praying to God, saying, not, not your will, or not, not your will, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus did it all for them. It wasn't about them choosing the right tree in the first place. God knew that wasn't going to work out. And he knew that wasn't going to work out in your life. He's not surprised when you reach for that tree. And you start trying to judge the world for yourselves and think that you understand all wisdom and that that you have it all figured out and that everyone else is just foolish and wrong. That might disappoint us in ourselves, but that doesn't surprise God. Jesus is doing all of this and his disciples are asleep. Humanity has been trying to get right with God this entire time, but there was nothing they could do. They fell into these same patterns over and over again, and we continue to fall into these same patterns. We think that we are strong. We think that we are capable. We think that that we're smart enough, that we're discerning enough, that we're like morally upright enough. That we, can, that we can be in this place to be the one that judges the whole world around us. And then, if, if we get it all right, maybe then we can be in a good relationship with God. But notice this, as they slept, God himself was doing something. Jesus was doing it all. And he was praying, not my will, but your will be done. 
And now it's not our calling to save ourselves. It's actually our calling to humble ourselves. To follow. To stop trying to lead our own lives. To stop trying to be the kings of our own lives. To truly say for ourselves, not my will, but your will. And realize that that we're not the savior in the first place. So you can stop trying to be. And, and maybe we just need to accept our position that, that we're a lot more like the ones who are asleep, that are being saved, than the one that can do it all. Why don't we pray? Lord God, we surrender control to you. We surrender our lives to you. We surrender our wills to you. Lord, would you use us as instruments of your love and your grace. Equip us to be lights of your love into a hurting world. Empower us to be your humble servants, stepping back and pointing others towards you. Lord, we lay down our branches before you. We lay down our coats before you, and we welcome you into our hearts as the king that we have needed, the king we've been waiting for. Lord, we look around, and it doesn't take a whole lot to realize we've made a mess of things and that we need your rule to begin. We need to step off the throne and let you take center stage. on earth as it is in heaven. Amen.
a few announcements uh, as we close our time together. Uh, we have, uh, if you're in middle school, if you're in high school, we have youth group today, uh, 3 to 4.30 over at House 1 uh, across the street. Love to have you there. Uh, if you're not, if you could be praying for youth group, you all have something to do. Uh, so either come to youth group or be praying for it. Uh, very much appreciate that. Uh, and we have Ken and we have Sherry up front here. They're members of our prayer team. And they would love to pray with you. So if you've come in here uh, bearing any burdens, have any heaviness on you, uh, please don't leave the same way. Uh, please come forward. They would love, uh, love to pray with you. And now receive your benediction. People of God, before this week ends, the palm branches will be trampled and drying on the roadside. The joyful crowds will turn into an angry mob. And Jesus will replace robes of victory with a crown of thorns. So then go in the knowledge of whatever comes to you this week, that you are held in the hand of God, drawn near and held close. Go from this place in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior.